Hello and welcome to Walking Movies. As you can hear, I'm not walking. Or maybe just thought my microphone got really good and cut out all background noise, but no. I'm not walking. I am in the comfort of the mouse's head recording studio where I am now going to take you through the year of 2022 in film. Yes, it's the end of year roundup that I often do. Well, I look back at the films that I've seen and have a quick recap and then tell you what I think were the best films of this year. Now, as um, it's the start of a new year, people are still getting over illness, getting back to work, etc. So we've not been able to record our Disney Parks episode as we normally would have done. We're going to record that later in the week. So this is going out for the first time, I think, simultaneously on both Walking Movies and that Disney Parks podcast. So that might be exciting for someone that's never heard it before. And who knows? Yeah, I might get some new listeners. Probably not, though. It's a, it's a niche podcast, I guess. But this is what I do. I have collated the amount of films that I've seen in 2022. Most of them at the cinema, not all of them. And I'm going to try and go through... I tried to put them in order of when they came out slash when I saw them. Um, and I'll talk about each film. And then at the end, I will tell you my top films of the year. And I've kind of already... I, I think I know how that list is going to land, but it could change in real time. I'm not sure. Uh, it might change as I start talking about the films again. Uh, and also the five worst films that I've seen. And I've actually... Just looking over the list again, I've already changed one of those films. So this this could change again in real time. Uh, I don't know. But let's start off with how I started uh, 2022 at the cinema. Now, I hope you've got your Cherry Pepsi Max or beverage of your choice ready to go. Because I said this could be a bit of a long one. So the first film that I saw, according to my list in 2022, was Scream aka Scream 5, I guess, because the first, well, obviously Scream wasn't numbered, but uh, 2, 3, and 4 definitely were, and this was the next one. Scream 2022 was a, I guess, reboot of sorts of the franchise. Some returning cast, obviously lots of new people as well, including the first film of the year that I saw with uh, Jenna Ortega in it, wouldn't be the last, um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, it, it's a screen film. You know, it didn't really break the mould. Um, I didn't think it was particularly scary. But I I don't know if screen films generally are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, they're kind of horror light, I guess more tense than anything else but uh it was good it was enjoyable not completely memorable but you know it, it it was what it was um so yeah pretty pretty good pretty good um the next film i saw in 2022 was i believe at least uh uncharted which was uh, based on the sony video game series um I'm a big fan of the games. I've played all four of them. I, I think there was like a side 
one that was released at some point um like a almost like dlc which I, I i haven't played admittedly but played the first four games very cinematic games um you know it it, it was like playing an action film uh but you controlled it i guess and i really like those games i was worried when they announced the casting of the film a lot of people that play the games were because as much as i uh, really like tom holland and think he's peter parker is probably the best uh, version of uh, of the character that we've seen on the big screen uh, he didn't really feel right as nathan drake he was too young in my opinion um, and i felt kind of similar about mark Wahlberg as uh as sully not being quite old enough for that particular character as well i i kind of guess the reason i went for casting those actors number one star recognition um but also as well their ages as well like if this was going to be a continued franchise then uh you know they're, they're still kind of young enough to make a series of films over like the next decade or whatever it was a big hit surprisingly um but i don't think a, a sequel's been greenlit so i don't know whether this will just be a one and done uh, they definitely left it open for a sequel but for me it was enjoyable but it wasn't anywhere near as enjoyable as the the video games that it was based upon so slightly disappointed but i mean you know if you're just watching it as an action film and you're not familiar with the games then it's it's a good romp but yeah it's it is what it is next up is one of the surprises of the year for me and that was jackass forever i was a big fan of the jackass uh, films when they originally came out i think i've talked before about how great seeing jackass 3d was with an opening weekend audience um you know just a whole cinema laughing in unison uh, and being repulsed as well and you know jackass forever took oof, about 10 years i think after jackass 3d maybe longer um so it's the biggest gap in between jackass films they kind of came out of nowhere like they didn't announce it that far in advance of it coming out so you're kind of well these guys are much older now is it still going to be as stupid and as funny uh, and the answer was yes absolutely um probably the most amount of laughter i had in the cinema uh in 2022 and just really enjoyable for what it was next up though is a film that didn't make me laugh and that was studio 666 the easiest way of describing this is it's a horror slasher film set in a recording studio or, or based around a recording studio uh, in a it, that's uh, in a house that the Foo Fighters go and record their next uh, studio album in, and um, yeah, bad stuff happens. It stars the Foo Fighters as themselves, um, including the late Taylor Hawkins, of course. Uh, as well as this film came out uh, a few months before he put tragically passed it's just not very good uh it's if it, it's gory if you like gore then you might get more of a kick out of it uh it's just really really badly acted um general Ortega again is in it um so she's good 
But yeah, the Foo Fighters are not actors, that's for sure. And I didn't really get much out of the film, if I'm completely completely honest. Um, now, I'm not sure if this was the next film that I saw, but it's definitely on the list, so we'll talk about it. And that is uh, The Batman. A three-hour Batman film doesn't sound exactly appealing, does it? You know, I'm a, I'm a Batman fan. I'm a fan of um, the characters. It's one of the only DC characters that I'm quite fond of. Uh, but a, a three-hour Batman film with Robert Pattinson didn't sound amazing when they announced it. Um, and yet, it was one of the best films I, I saw this year, I believe. Um, I saw it twice at the cinema, and I watched it again at home with my wife. Um, one of the times I saw the cinema actually was with Craig in Liverpool when I went up to see him uh, earlier in the year. And um, it was poignant because they actually filmed quite a bit of the Batman in Liverpool. So I could actually see the filming locations before I went to see the film again that evening. So that was uh, that was quite exciting. But uh, yeah, Robert Pattinson is, is great. I think he gets tarnished with that kind of brush of not being a very good actor because of Twilight. I'll openly admit, I think I, I saw the first two Twilight films and I didn't see the rest. Um, but he's good. He's a good actor. I thought he was really good in this. I thought everyone was was good. There wasn't a, a bad performance. I know Paul Dano's uh, Riddler kind of um, not upset people, but they didn't like the take on the Riddler and you know, it, it's certainly not the kind of cartoony, over-the-top uh, Jim Carrey or uh, even, you know, the version from the Adam West uh, TV series version of the of the Riddler. Um, but I, I really like the take on it and I, I like the tone. And I think what I enjoyed most about The Map Man was the fact that it played more like a detective crime story than it did a superhero film. And I think when you watch so many superhero films, uh, to see something like that is 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 great. So yeah, really, really big fan of uh, the Batman, and thoroughly recommend it. One film that I can't recommend though, um, and this was the first film that I I saw that was uh, director streaming, was a, and I use the term loosely, comedy called The Bubble. This was an ensemble comedy about the making of a film during the start of the COVID pandemic. Already doesn't sound like a great concept for a comedy, but there you go. It was far too long. Um, so much talent wasted in this film. I, 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 I laughed less than five times. It's it's just not good. And in fact, I think All the Last came near the end of the film. It was a film that was so dull, me and my wife watched it, and she said, I, I just give up. And about an hour in to the film, I think it was about two, just over two hours, and out of morbid curiosity, I did watch the, the second half of the film, but it just was not, was not great. Very disappointing. 
um, an Apatow film. Often far too long, overstayed their welcome, and this was by far um, the league's favourite Jal Apatow film that I've seen. Um, in terms of uh, you know being funny, at least. Um, where have we got next? Okay, so this next section, I'm not sure where these films. They all come out around about the same kind of time, so that kind of like spring, early summer kind of release schedule, but I'm not sure in in what order, so apologies. Uh, But next on this I've got is Ambulance. This is a Michael Bay action film with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, It's a remake, I think, of a French film, which I've never seen, admittedly. Um... It was a film that was too... What it was guilty of was the trailer giving away too much, I think. There was not a lot of surprises left in the film, which I think was a, a shame. Um, but as as a kind of um, action thriller, I thought it was really good. Slightly too long uh, overall, but I actually really enjoyed it. So um, it's... Yeah, I recommend it. Like if, if you're in the mood for something that's, you know bit tense got a lot of action sequences in it has some beautiful uh shots of uh la i think that's where they filmed it certainly you know they make you believe it's there anyway uh then yeah you could do a lot worse than watch ambulance what you could avoid though is the next film and i've not done this on purpose by the way i haven't tried to put good film bad film good film bad film just how this uh has ended up uh but was fantastic beast three uh, what was it called? The Secrets of Dumbledore, maybe? Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Fantastic Beasts. Should have done this in advance. Uh, do, 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 do. Secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah, I thought that was the one. I thought Grindelwald was the second one. The third film in the franchise no one really asked for. Um, it was just dull. That was it. The weird thing is, is that they've had this weird casting with the character of Grindelwald, who is the the series villain. Um, in the first film, uh, Colin Farrell played him. Uh, then it was revealed to be Johnny Depp who played him in the second one. And because of all the the court case and everything going on, uh, they got Mads Mikkelsen in to play him in the third film. I mean, that's the least of the film's problems, um, really. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen's a great actor, but. It is a little bit odd when you watch these films and each time there's a different actor playing the same character. You know, they in, in the Harry Potter films, they had to change the role of Dumbledore because Richard Harris died. So, you know, you have to do recasting when, it, when it's something like that, I understand. But, yeah, it, it's just a, a really weird franchise which seems to have gotten more boring with each additional film. Um I actually thought the second one wasn't too bad, but I haven't re-watched it again. But this one, yeah, just, just, no. Nah. And my wife and my daughter went to see it opening day. And when they came back, I said, oh, how was the film? And my daughter was like, oh, yeah, it's really great, really great. And my wife just, like, shook her head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we'll talk later on about it. But I went to see it a few days after. And, yeah, I, I didn't ask her for specifics, which she didn't like, but... When we talked about the film afterwards, it, we had very similar kind of ideas about what didn't work. Um, 
and yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, this was I think originally announced as a series of five films, and there's been no confirmation of the fourth after the performance of this film, which did not uh, do anywhere near. Uh, as well as I expected, it is a franchise that each film has had diminishing returns uh, as well. So the second didn't do as well as the first, and the third didn't do as well as the second. So, I don't know, maybe HBO Max will, you know, make it an original film or something. Uh, it's a big budget film to do that too, but if they're not making money at the cinema, I think it will get people to opt into their streaming service, then I could see it possibly happening that way, but... You won't lose any sleep if you don't watch Fantastic Beasts 3. Um, one for die-hard fans only, and even then, prepare for disappointment. Oh, speaking of disappointment, Men. Now, Men was a film that I'd seen uh, trailers for for quite a while, and it looked really creepy. Uh, it had Jesse Buckley um, in it, and it seemed to be a kind of creepy... Um, horror thriller uh i guess uh set in a weird english village which is quite common i guess um but yeah it's it it just wasn't a very a very uh, i don't think it was a very good film i think the what they what alex garland was trying to do with the film in terms of like the, the, the message of the film was was quite sloppily done um jesse buckley was great but i mean really the star is rory kinnear who plays every male character in the film young and old um that was the best bit about it in terms of like how they pulled that off most of the effects were pretty good not all of them some of it did look a little bit ropey still but it was low budget so i i get that but you know it desperately wanted to be something like the Wicker Man. I'm talking the original Wicker Man, and it just it just wasn't very good. Just wasn't very good. So yeah, uh, can't can't recommend Men. Unfortunately, just just disappointing. The Phantom of the Open. That is a film that I can recommend. Um, the Phantom of the Open is a a story um, based on a a real that person um a somebody who tried to be a um professional golfer uh i guess and it was a story that i'd never um heard of it wasn't a i don't know how well known the story is um but yeah it followed someone called morris flickcroft who was an amateur trying to get into uh, the British open uh, as a professional and i mean golf films it's not really uh something i look for i think i'm going to enjoy a golf film but you know i knew that this was directed by craig roberts who i'd seen acting a few things most notably submarine which i haven't seen for a long time but i remember really enjoying when that came out um but it was also uh, written the screenplay is written by Simon Farnaby, who you'll know as an actor from Ghosts or Horrible Histories, but he also is the screenwriter of the Paddington films, 
Um, and he pops up in those as well in cameo appearances, and he pops up in this as a cameo. Um, but I like his his stuff, so I thought, okay, this could be quite good. And it was just delightful. Um, not as charming as Paddington, um, but it was a very enjoyable film. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very touching. I thought the story... <sighs> when they when they turn a true story into you know a film you know there's going to be some creative license and everything like that but i just thought the story was fascinating uh i thought mark you know mark reinitz is is always good in, in everything and sally hawkins uh as well and yeah i just thought it was, it was just funny and charming and and heartwarming and really enjoyable my wife and daughter didn't agree with me. <laughs> they thought it was a bit boring, but I was totally suckered in by it. Um, yeah, uh, the Phantom of the Open was uh, a surprise. It, it didn't really have uh, a big release. Um, it had a, a limited release in the US as well, uh, but I think it deserves to be talked about and, yeah, really, really uh, enjoyable. So... I recommend that one. This is the first film that I didn't sit all the way through for this year, and that's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I was a bit of a sucker for the first Sonic the Hedgehog. I thought it was um, enjoyable for what it was. You know, it's a video game film, but I thought they did it quite well. I thought Jim Carrey was great. So I was actually quite looking forward to seeing this second one, but my God, it was dull. It you know, it felt like they just rehashed the first film and I made it just over an hour in. In fact, we, we watched it um, over dinner um, one Saturday night. It was like the family film. And after an hour, everyone was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of done with this. And I've never gone back to revisit the end of it. So maybe the, uh, the, the last 45 minutes were outstanding or something, but I just could not get on with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Disappointing. Um, the first animated film on the list is next, and that is uh, another film that went straight to streaming. Uh, Turning Red. It was a it was a last Pixar film to be released straight to Disney Plus. Um, I don't know what to say about it without kind of getting into spoilers too much. Hopefully, a lot of you have seen it already, which case spoilers wouldn't really matter, but it focuses on a, a Chinese-American girl who uh, is, you know, just turning into uh, a teenager, and when her hormones go crazy, uh, she turns into a red panda, which I guess is a metaphor, uh, you could say. Um, I- I'm obviously not a target audience for this. But I really, really, really enjoyed Turning Red. Uh, we all did. We, you know, that was a successful family uh, movie night film. Um, I was disappointed, if anything, that it didn't get a cinema release. It deserved to. Um, and I feel it's kind of... I mean, it's, it's got fans. And people... You know, I've seen a lot of people talk about it online. Um, but it, it just feels like it's one of those films that just didn't get the promotion or push that it should have done had it got a cinema release. Merchandise has been patchy, for example. I didn't see any merchandise uh, when I was in Disneyland Paris. You know, 
it's it's a real shame, but it's an absolute gem. It's probably my favourite Pixar film that they've released uh, recently. And yeah, a lot of time for Turning Red. And I think if you haven't watched it, you should. Um, really, really enjoyable, funny, heartfelt, um, gets you in the feels a little bit. Just it, it's it's everything Pixar used to be before they started churning out, you know, more Toy Story films and sequels to other stuff. The next film on the list is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I've seen this twice. I really, really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. The second time when I watched it at home, I didn't enjoy it as much. Nicolas Cage is is great, um, as you'd as you'd kind of uh, expect, but I don't know. It, it's I think the joke kind of wears a bit thin um, after a while, and that's probably why I, I didn't kind of enjoy it as much as some people uh, did. Uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, who I guess he's probably more known for being the Mandalorian. Um, is uh, is Javi, who uh, is a appears to be a crime lord, and he hires Nicholas Cage to come to his birthday party. Um, pays him a lot of money to come to his birthday party, and then stuff happens. Um, it, it's it's fine. It's good. It's funny. I laughed more than five times, so it passed the test. But I don't love it as much as other people do. And I listened to um, a podcast called Unscripted. It's uh, it's an Australian film show. It's a radio program uh, where they uh, watch and review films. And this was at least one person's film of the year. And I think it was in the top ten of the other two co-hosts as well. Uh, for me, it, it it wasn't, but it's still good. Like you know, it's certainly on the better side of comedies that I saw this year. But um, yeah, I don't think uh, it was as good as some people feel it is. But it's quirky, and you know, give it a go. Why not? Something else that's kind of quirky, but in a bad way. Morbius. Um, I think this was the first Marvel film to come out this year. Morbius is. It's part of the MCU, I guess, but it's a Sony Marvel side of things. So it's the Spider-Man Venom uh, lineage rather than the Disney Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just not very good. I had to... I watched it opening weekend after hearing some fairly positive reviews. I, I just thought it was naff. I, I really didn't think it was it was good. Um I thought it was laughable. Um, you know, an unintentional comedy. I then had to re-watch it for a podcast um, that a friend of mine does called We Watch Bad Films. And I rewatched it so I can make some notes and it didn't get better the second I watched it. It's just not good. It's 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 not good. It's cheesy. It's I, It feels like, because Jared Leto's in it, they're trying to make high art, but it's more like a finger painting. Just, just, just bad. You can avoid it. There's nothing in this film that really uh, adds to anything else 
there are like post credit scenes that do tie into other Sony Marvel films, but just look those up on YouTube. Don't bother watching Morbius; it's it's cack. Um, another unusual, but another animated film was Apollo Ten and a Half. Um, this was straight to Netflix. It's about uh, a story of uh, a ten and a half year old boy who uh, I think it was ten and a half. I'm sure it's where the ten and a half come from, the Apollo. Or was that because it was before Apollo 11? It doesn't matter. Anyway, a teenage boy um, gets recruited by uh, NASA to uh, pilot uh, Apollo 10 and a half uh, as, a, as a kind of test mission before they launch uh, Apollo 11. Um, it's it's rotoscoped, so the film was filmed with actors and then it's been kind of drawn over, um, similar to uh, Scanner Darkly and Waking Life. Which I think uh, were all from the same director as well, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, I it just I, I just thought it was charming. Just just thought it was a nice film. Um, you know, not not too long. Some laughs in it. Uh, you know, I like watching films uh, that are rotoscoped. I think it's it's an interesting uh, you know style to to make a film. Um, obviously, quite hard to do. Probably very time-consuming, but uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, Richard Linklater, of course. So um, yeah, I found it really, really enjoyable. Um, Ninety-eight minutes, not particularly long. Um, yeah, if you're looking for something a little bit quirky to watch, give that uh, a go. Okay, another streaming film now. Um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. When this was announced, probably about two years ago, maybe a bit more, I was really excited. I loved Chippendale Rescue Rangers when the cartoon uh, came out. I was six, five or six, just turning six, whatever. Um, So yeah, I loved Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And so to hear that they were kind of doing a reboot, I was very excited by the fact that some of the Lonely Island were going to be involved in it as well also added to that excitement. What I didn't expect was it was going to be a kind of tribute to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I remember seeing the first trailer and I was like, okay, this has really got me invested now. This has really got me invested. So I was I was already excited when they announced the film. I was more excited after seeing the trailer and I thought, oh, please don't disappoint. Um... I love Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I think it's a really fun film. It's a film that kids can watch and get stuff out of, but adults will get way more of the jokes and the Easter eggs that are in the film than kids will do. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, really entertaining. Um, highly recommended. Yeah. Really enjoyed Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Now biggest film of the year although only just because um had avatar 2 opened up about a, a, a two or three weeks earlier that would have probably been the biggest uh, film of the year uh but top gun maverick i talked about top gun maverick a lot when it came out very very strange in that i'd never actually seen top gun when Maverick had come out. And I decided 
because I was going to go and see Top Gun Maverick, I'd heard a lot of good stuff about it, um, like the the buzz from early screenings. So I decided to watch Top Gun, the original Top Gun, and I really just couldn't jive with it at all. And I thought, oh man, I'm going to be seeing the sequel tomorrow. What am I letting myself in for? And I divvied about how I was going to watch it because it was being released in, in, you know, all premium formats, IMAX, um, 4DX, and, oh, and also Screen X, which is the 180 degree cinema thing that they do as well, which I've never seen a film in still. Um, and in the end, I opted to just see it in standard 2D because, what if I don't, you know, if it's like Top Gun, I'm not going to like it. The weird thing is, it is like Top Gun, but it's so, so much better than Top Gun. I walked out of Top, Top Gun Maverick uh, with a spring in my step. Like, I, I just, I could not believe how much I enjoyed a film about people flying jet fighters. And especially after seeing, you know, the film that it was a sequel to the day before. I just It just blew me away. I can absolutely see why it was such a big hit. Because people went back time and time again. I only got to see it twice at the cinema. Um, I did see it in 4DX, which is one of the best cinema experiences I had this year. Um, the 4DX added so much to an already amazing film. Um, too much in times at times because I did almost fall out of my seat a few times. It really was quite violent in uh, shaking you around. But I just love Top Gun Maverick really really did and i've watched it uh, a few times at home as well and every time makes me laugh makes me smile uh makes me tense um yeah deserves all the plaudits uh, that is how you make a sequel uh, to a film you take the first one and you make it better um i hope i don't have to wait another 30 odd years for uh, a sequel but uh, even though it was the biggest film last year, there has been no announcements at all about uh, a follow-up. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, the, Bob, the Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, another animated film. Had a, had a limited run at cinema. Went to Disney Plus in the UK uh, shortly thereafter. I, I really tried to get into Bob's Burgers. I know a lot of people love it. I've tried a few times to watch it. I've watched the first season and I think about half of season two. And it was fine. It was just it, like I could put it on in the background and it was like, yeah, okay. A couple of laughs here and there. Nothing too taxing. Um, I, I don't understand why it's beloved in the, in the way that it is. But then I also feel the same way about uh, Rick and Morty. It's another one I just don't really understand the love for. Um, but it's fine. Like it, it, it was good. It was uh, about an hour and a half. Had some funny jokes in it. The animation was uh, slightly better than the TV version, but I wouldn't say it was a, a quantum leap in in terms of quality. Yeah, it it was good. Um, if you like lo- love Bob's Burgers, you'll get a lot more out of it than I did. I new bits of Bob's Burgers and still thought it was enjoyable. Um but yeah, you know, I think I think there's definitely an audience for it, but I'm not the ideal one. But 
you know, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, now the film that a lot of people were talking, talking about this year, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. In fact, before I talk about that, before I saw that, lots of strange in the multiverse of madness. I knew I'd missed the film out. Right, the list got slightly uh, messed up, and I tried to format it, and um, it got put in the wrong place. And I meant to take it out and move it. And I didn't. So, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness really divided people. I saw it opening night. I saw it in IMAX 3D. Really enjoyed it. Uh, went back to see it with my wife and daughter a few days later. I was apprehensive taking it. I thought it was a little bit too scary for her, but um, it turns out it was fine. She really enjoyed it, even though it was a little bit um, on the gory side, and she doesn't normally like watching Marvel films, but for some reason um, she wanted to watch this one, so fine. Um, I really enjoyed Dot uh, Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. A lot of people don't enjoy it anywhere near as much as I do. Um, okay. Okay fine sure choice um I, I i do understand some of the criticism though um especially with the the fact it's set in multiverse and it, it's not really used as much as it probably could have been um but i enjoyed it and i i liked sam raimi putting in sam raimi things like the you know the strange camera angles and uh the use of kind of uh you know zombie skeleton type things um yeah i i i enjoyed it it's probably my favorite marvel film of the year as a spoiler um but yeah i i, I get why it's not everyone's cup of tea but it, it was enjoyable enough for me so but a film that really did take the concept of a multiverse and really play around with it was everything everywhere all at once i mean oh boy what what a film um it's almost impossible to describe but the easiest way of describing it is an american chinese uh woman um is is kind of fed up of her everyday life her business is failing her marriage is failing her relationship with her daughter is failing and she's been investigated for for tax issues by uh the tax person um and then um uh, a weird encounter with uh, what appears to be a husband says that uh you know actually this is just a version of events and actually uh there's different uh timelines and scenarios um where where things are different and then she goes on this journey through these different timelines um of herself with different powers different abilities sausages for fingers um <laughs> <laughs> and and the film is is insane it's absolutely insane but it's uh, amazingly creative f- incredibly done incredibly well made um on a shoestring budget i think it cost about 20 million dollars might have been even less than that and it looks as impressive as your you know 150 200 million dollar uh big budget blockbusters it's it's just incredible um it's it's fairly long it's about two and a half hours i I didn't feel um i didn't feel like it dragged um i was just utterly engrossed and i was lucky to catch this at the cinema and just just loved it 
and it was again another really enjoyable cinematic experience where everybody was kind of like just in shock and awe um at the same times and it was just really enjoyable and i've seen it at home since and it still holds up um definitely the the multiverse film of the year is everything everywhere uh all at once and now we've got to the summer season okay so this is where the big hollywood blockbusters come out to play so the first uh <laughs> disappointment i guess um jurassic world dominion when jurassic world came out i really enjoyed it on every rewatch i've you know seen that it's essentially the force awakens of jurassic park films and what i mean by that is the great hits you know it's oh do you remember you like this bit well here it is again but you know with a bigger dinosaur or something um i think the main problem with the jurassic world films is chris pratt as a lead character which is ridiculous because i love the guardian films um and although i'm not a fan of uh the man in in real life um you know for for you know, various reasons i can still enjoy an actor act um i just think the character of owen is is just not a very good character um and the same with claire uh bryce dallas howard's character I just don't think they've they're they're particularly good. Um and they're the focus of the films. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was a huge disappointment and a massive step down from the second one I felt, but I wanted to give Dominion the benefit of the doubt. The the best part of Fallen Kingdom was the end and the fact that you know, by the end of the film dinosaurs were running about on on land rather than being stuck on an island. And that obviously led to um, some exciting uh, ideas and concepts. All of which were completely ignored by Jurassic World Dominion. Which focused instead on um, plagues of um, massive locusts eating crops. Uh, which obviously would be a, a devastating thing. and was affecting the food chain, I get that. But I've come to see a film about dinosaurs, not about giant locusts. So it was it was weird. Um it it just wasn't very good. It was it was far too long, waiting for stuff to happen. You get a decent action sequence and a load of plot plodding. Um, you know the, the big kind of um, ace up its sleeve was the fact that it was bringing back um, Alan Grant and uh, Eddie Sattler, who were the lead characters in the first Jurassic Park film, and it was the first time they were all in a film. Uh, together again since the first one uh, Ian Malcolm made a brief appearance in uh, Fallen Kingdom and he was back in this film Jeff Goldblum of course is the, you know, was the best thing in this film by a country mile uh, he was as off the wall as you want him to be uh, but the film I just found was dull um, and I've suggested re-watching it well suggested watching it uh, at home with the family and they've just not had any interest so that tells you what you need to know about that. Now, I talked earlier about the fact Pixar films have been going straight to Disney+, Plus, but one film they were determined to release at the cinema this year uh, was Lightyear. Again, this is a film that some people really, really enjoyed um, and had it as like their top animated film of the year. It doesn't hold a candle to turning red at all, in my opinion. 
I went to see this uh, opening day. I went to see it in the afternoon, so I knew it was going to be fairly quiet, but I was even surprised at how empty the cinema was. Um, and I went then because was, that was just when they were showing it in 3D and I wanted to see it in 3D because I think I only showed it about five times in 3D um, during, during its well during its cinema run. I only showed it for the first few days. Um, and it, it's fine. It's a film that just doesn't need to exist. It was a film where the, the, the concept of the film is that, you know, in 1995, Andy watched this film with a cinema which made him fall in love with this character called Buzz Lightyear uh, and, what, and that was the reason he wanted the toy so much for his birthday um, and this was that film the idea on paper is, is probably better than the execution this could have quite easily have been a Disney plus series like a mini series or something this didn't need to be a film or it could have gone straight to Disney plus and it wouldn't mattered a bit instead it didn't and it went to the cinema and it bombed um, absolutely crash and burned at the, at the box office. Um, the toys were on sale for months before. They they really were expecting this to be a big hit, and it's just very meh. The best character in it is a robot cat. Enough said. <laughs> That's it. I fell in love with socks. I don't even like cats very much, but I fell in love with socks. But the rest of the film just just didn't do it for me. Just found it quite needless, really real shame one of the highlights of this year though was uh, for me at least was Elvis uh, Baz Luhrmann's biopic of Elvis Presley I am not a big fan of Elvis I do quite like Baz Luhrmann stuff though not everything and you know some of his work is patchy some of it is is you know really good some of it's patchy Elvis was definitely in the really good pile um, the performances uh, I think Aaron Butler is it Aaron Butler um austin butler um it was just incredible you know it made me not a fan of elvis i've never disliked elvis but i've never loved elvis either but um i just thought the way the film was put together was incredible i loved what i did with the music um when he performed as elvis it was you know you felt like you could have been watching the real elvis perform just just a real real great achievement and yeah it really blew away my expectations and you know my mother-in-law is a massive Elvis fan she wouldn't go and see it at the cinema because she was worried she'd get too emotional watching it or she'd hate it <laughs> one of the two um she watched it when it came out um phone release and she loved it I've seen it twice I think uh, my wife and daughter and mother-in-law have seen it two or three times each now um just yeah a real treat and it did well but it didn't do as well as i expected it to i think when you think of a, a film about elvis you think it's probably going to be a, a huge film but maybe maybe uh the time's passed now for elvis being a, a big box office draw i don't know uh but yeah really really good highly recommended um next up another horror uh, adjacent film the black phone uh, this is based on a short story by the son of Stephen King, Joe Hill, I believe. Um, yeah, it's good. It's it's uh, it's set in the seventies. Um, it's got that kind of similar vibe to you know watching it or something like that. Um, it's that kind of level of horror. Um, few 
kind of jump scares which are pretty good um but yeah good good film you know enjoyable pass the time um you know i ethan hawk was really good in it um you know the the mask that he wears was was interesting as well uh, as the villain um yeah it was it was really good you know not not great not one of the best films of the year for me but enjoyable enough you know if you like that kind of thing um then it, it's definitely uh worth a watch uh minions the rise of Gru, long delayed almost as uh, delayed as top gun maverick was i think the toys actually started coming out in shops during the um summer of the pandemic 2020 um so yeah this film had got quite heavily delayed it's um it, it i found it really fun uh, this is a sequel to minions it's set in the 70s another 70s set film um with a you know i think 10 year old grew maybe 11 year old grew uh as he's starting his uh his rise to become a super villain and uh i love the music choices i thought the uh the the jokes were, were pretty funny minions were adorable um I've, I've grown to love them over the years much more than i used to um and yeah i, I enjoyed it for what it was you know it's not a masterpiece but um, it made me laugh a lot more than I, I thought it was going to. So, therefore, uh, a, a success in my book. Um, next is Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, I I remember coming out to some being very deflated <laughs> watching Thor Love and Thunder. Um, I really loved Ragnarok. Um, Thor was probably my least favourite main marvel character i thought the first thor film was pretty good i thought dark world was just so dull and boring um that i wasn't really excited to see a a third thor film until ragnarok came out and you know taika ratiti had done a really good job uh with the character i thought and uh you know jeff goldblum and uh, the hulk being in it um and Valkyrie, uh, Tessa Thompson's character, you know, really enjoyable. I, you know, I thought it was funny. I thought it was had some good action sequences. Thought Love and Thunder just felt like it was just made by committee and it was lazy and almost like nobody wanted to make it. Um, just a real, a real disappointment, a real shame. Um, I think my favourite bit was the uh, the cameo in the mid credit scenes by. Hercules. Um, yeah, it's the thing I remember most about the film. I just thought it was really poor after Ragnarok. You know, maybe my expectations were were quite high, but a lot of people seem to feel the same way. Um, you know, it's not it's not awful. It's not as bad as like Morbius, for example, but um, it's just nowhere near as as good as it could have been. Um, and it's a great, great shame. The next film on the list, oh, to do a stretch, is The Grey Man. This was a, a straight-to-Netflix film with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling. Um, standard kind of action thriller, a uh, little bit Jason Bourne, a little bit Mission Impossible. Um, just just fun. Yeah, I had a, had a really good time with it. Um yeah, Chris Evans as a, as a villain 
he he played the part really well his moustache was great um but yeah i'd have quite liked to have seen this on a big screen but it got a very very limited release because it was going straight to netflix um and uh yeah you know if you are up for that then watch the great man it's uh it's good it's yeah i'd say it's on a par with something like ambulance or uncharted um you know if you if you want to see something like that then the gray man is a is a good choice possibly better than at least one of those films as well but i won't tell you which one um next is an odd animated film it's marcel the shell with shoes on didn't really get much of a release in the uk it's a very odd animation to describe it's uh about a talking shell called marcel that has little shoes um the shell is in a real world environment but the shell is is animated um it's a documentary about or you know a mockumentary about uh this this talking shell and their relationship with uh, their grandmother and it's charming and quirky and really really unusual um but i loved it i thought it was you know it was in a year where we had things like everything everywhere all at once um it, it, it's nice to get sometimes these odd films and uh marcel the shell with shoes on is is one of those so if that sounds at all appealing i'd certainly recommend it if you can find it it seems to be quite hard to find i don't think it's had a proper dvd release yet over here um next up nope um another jordan peele film i i enjoyed this a lot um it's similar to similar to us in uh when I watched it a second time, I enjoyed it that much more than I did the first time. I think the problem when I watched a Jordan Peele film, I think Get Out was very on the nose with what it was trying to say as a, like a social commentary. Um, not, I mean, it wasn't too simple, but what I mean is it, it was really quite clear what it was trying to say. Nope, I think, like us, wasn't quite as clear on the surface. And if you're kind of watching it, trying to figure out what's going on and why things are happening in the way they are it's hard to really absorb it and enjoy it properly um certainly one of the most interesting films that i've seen this year and as i said it's it's one that's paid dividends re-watching it um i watched it the first time uh, in imax because uh, he filmed it with imax cameras and my local cinema were promoting it and i'm glad i did because it looked stunning um on an imax screen um but no matter what what screen you see it on um hopefully you'll have a good time with with nope but as i said that is just my kind of word of warning is you might watch and think yeah not sure about that but you know watch it again you know it it, it pays to re-watch jordan peele films and nope is no uh, exception dc league of super pets <sighs> I've I've seen about half of this film. I think that was enough. Um Rockin uh The Rock and Kevin Hart doing their usual buddy 
comedy stuff that you've seen in um, films like Jumanji and uh, I can't even remember what the what the one was where they're they're partnered up before Jumanji but uh, yeah I, I'm kind of a bit done with The Rock anyway um, the, the, the premise of the film didn't really appeal to me I'm not the target audience admittedly um, what I saw of it seemed to be fine for what it was but I didn't think the animation was particularly good um, I didn't think the jokes were particularly funny uh, yeah just 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 bang average if you want to watch a film about talking animals go and watch The Secret Life of Pets those films are better than League of Super Pets this was a, a surprise it's uh, Bullet Train uh, this was a David Leitch um, Brad Pitt action kind of comedy um based on a on a japanese manga um that uh ran a, a few years ago i uh, just just had a lot of fun with this um it had a touch of the uh the guy richie's hang on just taking a swig it did feel very much like it'd been a a guy richie film um a lot of that kind of humor um, silly over the top violence you know big and bright and bold because it's set in japan um yeah i it's one of those films that took me by surprise i've seen the trailer for it and thought okay yeah i kind of think i know what this is going to be like and it kind of was but it was also better than i was expecting it to to be um again seen this one a couple of times uh, went back and saw it at the cinema with my wife at a later date to watch it again and enjoyed it as much the second time. So, um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. If you like over-the-top stupid violence, um, then you could do a lot worse than, than Bullet Train. Next up on the list, I've got Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, this is a young adult horror film where a group of um, friends and not friends uh, get together at a house during a particularly bad storm to kind of get away from things and decided to play a murder mystery game called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and shit goes down. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I got most of the, the, the points it was trying to make. Um, again, it's aimed very much at, uh, you know, like the the early to mid-20-year-olds. Um, Pete Davidson was quite good in it, though, and Lee Pace. Um, but yeah, I, like, I think murder mystery is becoming more of a, a thing nowadays, and there'll be a, a few films on the list coming up. We'll talk about that a bit more. But um, I thought this was good. I thought it was quite clever. Um, I didn't really see exactly where the film was going so at least it kept me on my toes uh i don't think it was necessarily as good as some people might have found it but i found it you know far from from awful or anything like that um you know if you're in the mood for something like that um give it a go if, if that sounds like it might be up your street it's, it's definitely worth um a watch if nothing else another surprise this year um, another film that went straight to Disney Plus was Prey. Not named after the MC Hammer song, uh, but Prey was a prequel to uh, the Predator series of films. 
Um, this was set, I think, in the 1800s um, and followed a Native American woman who uh, f- realizes she's being hunted or, or there's a hunt on the loose, but she can't see him because he's invisible because he's a predator and he can cloak because he's got technology from the future. Um, sounds really cheesy. Doesn't sound very good, does it? But it really was. Um, I tricked my wife into watching this by not telling her it was a Predator film. Easy because of the title. Um, and she's not a fan of the Predator films, but she really enjoyed this. We both did. Um, I thought it was really good. Uh, it was it was quite tense. The fact that you are you've got someone who is Native American with you know fairly primitive weapons against a predator with you know actual guns and lasers and cloaking uh, mechanisms uh, led to a really interesting uh, tense film. Um, yeah, definitely one of the biggest shocks of the year for me was Prey. Didn't expect it to be as enjoyable as it was but really really uh enjoyed it uh next on the list we've got beast uh this was a film with uh idris elba um it was about a lion yeah think of like jaws but with a lion in uh in south africa uh it's fine it almost made my top five worst films, but I realised there was stuff that was worse than this was. I mean, there was nothing particularly wrong with it. It didn't last very long, but it wasn't particularly memorable. It wasn't particularly scary. Um, once or tw- twice it got a little bit tense, but not enough to really make it um, much more of a a recommendation than just a, a curious watch. Um, it kind of come out when all the, the main films of the year had been released uh, at the end of the summer. And you can see why, because it was literally there. was, what, you run out of films to see? Well, this one's just come out. So, there you go. Uh, next, we've got The Forgiven. This was uh, Ray Fiennes going to uh, a party in Morocco, I want to say. Um, and on the way, driving through the desert, they uh, run over it and kill somebody. Um, the the father of the the teenager killed comes to treat the body and says, you know, as 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 kind of uh, punishment, you need to come back to the village to uh, to go to the burial, uh, the, the service, um, and and he uh, obliges and he, and he and he does exactly that. It's an interesting film. I thought the acting was was good throughout, with obviously people that I do know and people that I don't know. Um, fairly tense. Didn't see. You know, it kept me kind of captivated. It kept me intrigued. I kind of guessed how the film might end. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. But I mean, it wasn't one of the best films I saw this year. But it was certainly interesting so yeah I'll, I'll i'll give it that but um yeah if you want a slow paced drama the forgiven might be the one for you but that's that's what i can say uh, one film which is completely insane is barbarian um if you've not seen this film don't read anything about it don't see anything about it 
it's very hard to describe anyway, but the less you know going into it, the better. Um, it's now streaming in the UK, at least on Disney+. Plus. Weirdly. It's definitely not a Disney Plus <laughs> type of film. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I went in without knowing much about it at all, um, except that it's set in an Airbnb. And that's all you need to know. Go and watch it. It's, it is quite scary um or can be quite scary um a little bit graphic but not too bad we're not talking like i know some people like with with horror films are like oh no you know too much gore too much uh violence too scary i, I don't think it's uh it's it's up there with the worst but um probably probably worse than like a scream film but you should try and give it a watch, even if you think, well, that sounds a little bit too much, because <laughs> it's insane. Really, really good. Uh, a nice little treat that I wasn't expecting. Um, but yeah, recommend Barbarian. <sighs> What's next? Yeah. Clerks 3. I hadn't seen... I only realised I hadn't seen Clerks 2 as Clerks 3 was coming out, so I thought I'd give Clerks 2 a, a watch. Um, I, I can't. I, I, I hardly laughed. I laughed less than five times. I went and saw it uh, opening weekend. It wasn't very busy. There was one guy who laughed like a drain pipe uh, throughout the film. Uh, but there was almost silence from everyone else. I just don't think it was very good. I, I like what Kevin Smith was attempting to do here. He was trying to use his real life uh, health issues um as a as a story to bring back the the characters from clerks but i just don't think it was anywhere near as good as it should have been or it could have been and i just thought it was a real disappointment if you're a diehard kevin smith fan you'll probably love it i i just don't think his films of recent years have been have been particularly good i think i think i preferred Jay and Silent Bob reboot to Clerks 3. And that was the last one of his films that I saw. So I was not was impressed. Next up, though, was a film that I did really like, and that was The Woman King. Um, this is a true life story, or, or based on a true life story, uh, about a female army uh, in Africa. Uh, I thought it was a beautiful film. You know, like visually, it's stunning. the uh, The cinematography is is great. Got some really good acting performances as well. Um, and I'll be shocked if it doesn't start getting nominated for those big uh, film awards as uh, as it gets closer to the season. Um, Fyla Davis was uh, just just great, really. I was surprised how good she was in this film uh, and how much I enjoyed her uh, performance. And this is also a film that had uh, Lashana Lynch in it. It's not the last film I'm going to talk about with her in it, but uh, (laughs) the two performances could not be more different. Um, Yeah, John Boyega is in this as well, but it's called The Woman King, right? So (laughs) he doesn't play a major role, but, you know, Everyone was good. Really, I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it. But it was 
certainly one of uh, my films of the year. Just, you know, really, really uh, enjoyable stuff. Uh, right, I mentioned earlier about uh, murder mysteries becoming more of a thing off the back of Knives Out. Well, we had see how they run a period whodunit set uh, behind the scenes of uh, The Mousetrap, which is obviously one of the uh, the most famous whodunit uh, stage plays and has been running, I think, in the, in the West End now for about 70 years uh, continuously. Uh, great cast uh, throughout two leads. Uh, Sam Rockwell and uh, Chelsea Rosen are... Um, are great fun together anyway um but the whole cast you know was was pretty great um yeah i just 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 thought it was a lot of fun uh had some good laughs in it had uh had you kind of guessing who was going to be the murderer or murderers you know not saying but um yeah was was trying to piece together how it was going to end and i i you know, was left guessing until pretty much the the end of the film, which is what you want in a murder mystery. You don't want to solve it too too early. Um, but you know, did it with a uh, a fun a fun time. So yeah, had, had, did, did seem to do fairly well to them, but not you know wonderful. But I would not um, not be disappointed to see uh, further sequels with the uh, the same police detectives. As we uh, we saw and see how they run. Uh, next up, we got "Don't Worry, Darling." Uh, Harry Styles and Florence Pugh in an extended episode of Black Mirror. It's pretty much it. It's pretty much what it is. Um, Olivia Wilde, I think, did a really good job of creating a uh, you know kind of like nineteen fifties period uh, piece. Uh, style film I pretty much figured out what the film was about and and where the film was going to be going early doors Florence Pugh is is always great value in anything you know it's just a a wonderful actress Um, Harry Styles isn't too bad actually like his accent is all over the place I think Um, but I you know I can see he's he's trying to do a good job, um, but yeah I, this film just didn't really do it for me at all. My wife enjoyed it, um, but I I yeah I'd have I'd been quite happy to have just wait to watch this at home uh, at some point rather than see it at the cinema. So now it's available to stream. You know maybe that sounds like it's something up your alley, but yeah not not a film I can recommend. Um, Bros. Uh, Nicholas Stoller, who is uh, one of the good things that come out of Judd Apatow's comedy films, um, he's done some some good stuff in the past. And uh, and Bros, it was um, heavily kind of promoted as um, the first big studio um, gay romantic comedy uh, to be released, and um, unfortunately, it, it just it just bombed. Um, both here and in the US, uh, which is a real shame. It's it's definitely not a. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the quality of the film. I thought the film was was great. Uh, Billy Eichner was. Uh, I enjoy his work anyway, but you know this was the first kind of 
lead role I've seen him in in a film, and I think he did a good job. Um, I thought the film was was very funny. You know, I laughed uh, quite a lot, but um, yeah, just a shame it didn't do do better, really. But uh, yeah, definitely one of my preferred comedies this year. Uh, okay, we haven't got many more, thankfully. Okay, we've got about 13 left. Um, Amsterdam, uh, talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, big budget, uh, big cast famous cast uh, a film which seems to have about 12 different stories going off all at the same time and only about two or three of them actually end up getting resolved or nearly resolved it just it's just a mess of a film it's it's a real shame um, that it's got the cast that it's got and it's got a there's an interesting story in there but they instead try and go and follow too many different plots and it just doesn't work so um, it's now on Disney Plus. Yeah, if you fancy watching it, <laughs> but yeah, I my what my wife watched it once it came onto Disney Plus, um, and yeah, she she wasn't particularly taken with it either. So it wasn't just me having a bad day. Um, and it uh, one of the biggest bombs of the year actually, probably that and Lightyear, two of the biggest. But um, yeah, uh, next up, Black Adam. <sighs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson tried to take over the DC Universe, you know, behind the scenes and failed miserably with this uh, boring, by-the-numbers, predictable superhero film. You'll never guess, but it ends with a really crappy CGI fight. So, there you go. Um, Yeah, I I wasn't a fan of Black Adam. I I think I fell asleep uh, for a few minutes while I was watching it at the cinema. Um... Shows you how invested I was in it. I just, you know, I just didn't think anyone came out of it looking good. And, yeah, uh, a real disappointment. I mean, he'd been working on that film for a long time. Like, they announced his casting probably about 10 years ago. It's taken this long for the film to be made for various reasons, but it absolutely was not worth the time. Uh, One film that definitely was worth waiting for, though, was with the Al Yankovic story. Um, This was a... Roku, Roku channel original film their first one and has Daniel Radcliffe as the uh, titular Weird Al Yankovic in a biopic of sorts of his life um, I mean it's very tongue in cheek um, it's very over the top it has a huge amount of creative license with what actually happened uh, with uh, the the real Weird Al Yankovic um but it made me laugh a lot uh daniel radcliffe is having the time of his life um everyone in the, in the film seems to be really enjoying themselves um and yeah had a lot of fun with it i'm a weird old fan so i am probably a bit biased but um yeah it was a real highlight um for me and just had a lot of fun watching it um, I said earlier about Doctor Strange being my favourite Marvel film, but I forgot Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, very hard to follow up Black Panther after the death of um, Chadwick Boseman. Um, they had a tall task um, in doing so, and I'm sure it was really hard for them to make this film. It's a little bit too long, if I'm honest, and I think it suffers with the, the main villains being blue people of the sea 
considering Avatar 2 was just a, a month away at that point. Um, that said, Angela Bassett is incredible in this film. Uh, I think she does such a great job as the Queen. Um, I really enjoyed how they introduced Neymar uh, to the MCU. Um, and, I mean, overall, I thought it was a really enjoyable film. I'm not sure which one I preferred more out of Doctor Strange or, or Black Panther. I've only seen Black Panther once. Um, it'll be coming out on Disney Plus on the 1st of February in most regions. So I will get a chance to re-watch it then. Um, but I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was hard to follow up the first one. But I think they, they did as good a job as they, they could do under the circumstances. And I'll definitely be excited to see a, a third one, hopefully. In the future um uh, another odd film this year was the menu another film starring ray fines uh again one of those films it's a bit like barbarian the less you know going in the better um it's it's about a uh, executive chef who creates these stunning uh, meals um experience dining experiences for a small select uh, group of people at a time um, and on this occasion, it all goes slightly skew with. Um, it's, it's I guess, really a, a kind of black comedy drama. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it made me laugh a lot more than I was expecting to. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was, it was really interesting and unusual. And, um, yeah, a, a little bit of a sleeper hit. So, uh yeah, really recommend the menu. Uh, in, again, in most countries, it's now on Disney Plus, and uh, if you get a chance to watch it on there, do so. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing this at the cinema. It really made me uh, laugh, and uh, it was good to see it with, with other people who were laughing as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, another underrated highlight of the year for me, the menu. Here's another sequel. This, this is the opposite Top Gun Maverick where you wait too long for the sequel and it doesn't live up for it to expectation. Um, and that's what happened with Disenchanted. Um, Enchanted came out, I think it was 2007. And it was a lot of fun for what it was. And, it, you know, you always kind of felt like a sequel would be a good idea. And then they released Disenchanted and you think, actually, they should have, they should have left it. It doesn't help that everyone's so much older. Um, oh, they're not so much older. I mean, Amy, Amy Adams still looks like Amy Adams, but you know, everyone is you know, 12, 13, 14 years older than, than when they made the first one, and yeah, it, it just shows that the songs aren't as good, the story's very pedestrian. Uh, yeah, just, just a real disappointment because I enjoyed the first one so much, and I've you know, I've seen that film quite a few times because of you know having kids and stuff um but this one i was just like one and done no interest in re uh evaluating this one uh in the future and uh my daughter and wife felt the same we was all disappointed with it which is a, a real shame um this is probably actually I, I mentioned earlier about Lightyear, but i think the biggest bomb for this this year will be strange world um it's a real shame because I, I actually really enjoyed Strange World, but you knew there was something up when the publicity was almost non-existent, the advertising was non-existent, there was no toys in the shops. Um, 
it wasn't getting a cinema release in in France. Um, and the rumoured reason was, which I guess now has been confirmed, is because once a film gets a cinema release, there's a window of time before it could be put onto a streaming service. Disney were obviously eyeballing this to be their big Christmas film for this year. So the first few years of Disney Plus, they've had a film out at Christmas that was either a, a brand new film or a film that just come out of the cinema that they were whacking on there as like a special treat to uh, customers. Uh, so we saw Soul in 2020 because the cinemas hadn't reopened, so they just put it straight onto Disney Plus. Uh, Encanto last year uh, in 2021, which had come out, I think, three weeks earlier, maybe four weeks earlier at the cinema. Um, and then they did the exact same thing with Strange World this year. Um so there was quite a lot of backlash because one of the characters is gay in the film. Gotta tell you that. Um but I loved the animation. I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the characters. Um I was quite annoyed that it had kind of got the reception it had because it didn't deserve it. It it was much better than the box office receipts will show. And I think Disney made a, a massive mistake with how they marketed this film. And I hope it gains uh, a lot more love and respect now it comes onto uh, Disney Plus for more people to go and see it. Um, Glass Onion and Eyes Out Mystery. I've seen it twice now. because I've seen it now. It's come out on, on Netflix as well. Um, I'm glad I saw it at the cinema though because it was good to see it on a big screen. It's I've seen it twice. I still don't think it's as good as Knives Out. Uh, but that was a very high bar. Still very enjoyable. Kept me guessing. Wasn't sure how the film was going to end. And that's all things I look for in a murder mystery. Um, a great cast, which I don't think is used as effectively as it was in Knives Out. Um, but again, I love the character of Benoit Blanc. And, uh, you know, if, if Ryan Johnson wants to keep making films with uh, Benoit Blanc solving mysteries, sign me up. It's still a lot of fun. Uh, okay what next uh violent night so violent night is uh david harbour is 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 father christmas and uh a rich family are taken hostage on christmas eve and uh they are trying to steal a whole load of money for them and uh, a girl is held hostage and so father christmas does uh, his jolly thing and tries to save the day for the first hour, I found the film pretty boring. And then the last 30, 40 minutes or so, um, it, it's got a really weird kind of tribute to Home Alone, um, among other things. And it was definitely better. But I I felt this film was a massive disappointment. Like, it, it had a lot of potential. And I, I just don't... I think they waited too long. The film dragged too much before it got to the good stuff. Um they want to make more of these films i don't know how you could do um but uh i can't i can't really recommend it i think there's better films of this uh style uh santa slay i watched over christmas and that i, I thought was uh, a much uh more enjoyable version of a of a bad father christmas um although in that one he's the bad guy not the good guy but you, you know um anyway so I can't really recommend Violent Night, but 
you know, if you watch all the Christmas films and just want something a little bit different, a bit more violent, then that film exists. Um, Avatar The Way of Water, I've seen it twice now. Uh, took my daughter to, to see it again at the cinema. Um, still feel the same kind of way. It's good, it's not great. Um, this has, at the time of recording, already done $1.5 billion at the box office. It's insane. Um, I didn't think it was going to be anywhere near as successful as the first one. And it's about, uh, well, it's it's more than halfway to the first one. So I think the first one made about $2.1 billion or something. So not far to go before it catches up with the first one. Um, yeah, it's fine. It, you know, I know, I listen to Mark Commode, um really slag it off uh and and that's fine i get it you know these are not the best written films or anything like that but they serve a purpose which is to immerse you in this fancy world that they uh, james cameron's created and uh you know take you away for a few hours i i just think it's it's too long there's definitely some bits that could have been cut out um but i i enjoyed it I did enjoy it both times I've seen it. So, you know, I get it, but it's no Top Gun Maverick, is what I'm saying. Um, next, another disappointment for me this year was The be- uh, the Banshees of Anish- Inner Sharon. Um, I like uh, Martin Donner's other films. Um, I, I loved uh, In Bruges, which had the same two lead actors as, as this did. But it's it's not really got much of a story. And I've been thinking about it a lot, which I guess is the sign of, of something that's that's at least uh, got some artistic merit. But I just yeah, it, it was it was too little of nothing. You know, Seinfeld's joke always was that it was a show about nothing. This is a film about, you know, nothing really. You know, it's it's got one central plot point. Um, and a few smaller strands that kind of tie in with people, but um, yeah, I found it just just good, not great. Um, really beautifully shot. Um, the the things like the costumes are, you know, I really noticed like the, the the clothes that people wore. You know, I think it looks it's a beautiful looking film. Um, but I just think it's it was more style over substance. There just wasn't much substance there. Um and I got to the end, I was like kind of, oh, that that was it, was it? Okay. Fine. Um so yeah, a bit of a shame. Not as enjoyable as uh, you know, in Bruges or, or free billboards uh for me. Um and just a bit of a missed opportunity. So a bit of a shame. Um and the last film I've got here is uh Matilda uh, Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical, uh, you know, uh, an adaption of the stage musical that's been running in London for quite a while now. Uh, found it really enjoyable. Um, I love a movie musical anyway. Um, I thought the casting in this was was great, um, except for Emma Thompson's Trunchbull. I wasn't very keen on. Um, I understand in the stage show that is normally a role played by a man in a kind of, you know, style of a, a, a pantomime dame, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, here it's Emma Thompson. She, I mean, she's not bad. She doesn't do a bad job, but I, I just feel it was casting for the sake of casting because she was a known uh, actor when it probably could have gone to somebody else. But yeah, um, I'm glad it's doing so well. It's available on Netflix everywhere in the world except the UK, which gets it next summer. Um, so you know, I'm not saying that you could use a VPN um, to pretend you're in another country to watch it if you are in the UK but uh, you know I'm not saying that I'm just just casually mentioning that such a thing might exist and that might allow you to do something like that I don't know um but it's still on at the cinema and it's it's definitely worth a watch um yeah really enjoyed it and my my daughter and wife had seen the the stage musical and enjoyed it as much um in the cinematic way that it was done as they did uh watching it on stage um so let's start off with uh the the top five oh honorable mentions sorry there were a few honorable mentions so this year uh, a few of the films that i saw at the cinema for uh, the first time in a special way uh were the lost boys never seen that before for some reason but i went to see that at halloween um and uh also uh the thing as well uh i'd never seen that i watched that on halloween night on the big screen for the first time in a lovely 4k restoration uh poltergeist was another film that got a 4k re-release this year for its 40th anniversary um i saw that in 4dx and that was very enjoyable to see in 4dx let me tell you um and another film that i'd somehow never seen before um anywhere so uh glad to take that one off the uh the list um, and I saw Jaws in 3D, and I saw E.T. in IMAX. Um, again, both really uh, enjoyable. I've seen Jaws a few times now on the big screen, uh, but this was the first time it's ever been re-released, uh, or released in 3D. The conversion was really well done. Uh, subtle, but really well done. Um, and E.T. in IMAX, I mean, it was beautiful. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful-looking film anyway, but this this 4k imax re-release on a massive screen was uh, a treat so i'm glad i saw uh, those so uh yeah my my top five worst films and then my top 15 films uh so uh the worst film the bubble uh studio 666 uh do, 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 do. uh clerks three uh was there as well uh then Men, I had it, got it at 52. I think I watched 50, 55 films this year. Um, so The Hedgehog 2, because I walked out. So I've got to have said that if I didn't watch the whole thing. Oh, Halloween Ends. I didn't talk about Halloween Ends. Um, Halloween Ends, I released an episode about. I didn't find it enjoyable. Um, like I was, I was disappointed with it. But I know I'm, I'm not in a minority that, you know, it's it's a proper Marmite film. People either really loved it or really hated it. It's no kind of like middle ground. Um, and Kevin, who I know listens to this, um, he uh, he was telling me how much he and his partner uh, enjoyed Halloween Ends. Um, and it's probably a film that I will re-watch, revisit at some point in time. But um, certainly watching it um, when it came out, I was uh, I was not not impressed. Um, so my top 15 films of the year and I think I'm just going through this list now uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think I've locked that in. Okay, so uh, number 15, Jackass Forever. Uh, 14, The Menu. 13, uh, The Phantom of the Open. Uh, 12 is Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On. Uh, number 11, just missing out the top 10, is The Batman. Um, then at number 10, I've got Prey. Number 9, Nope. Number 8, Matilda. Number seven, Glass Onion. Um, so look, even though what I said about it, it was still my top ten films. Um, number six, I've got Turning Red. Number five, I've got Barbarian. Oh, this is where it's getting tough now. Okay. Okay. No, I'm going to stick with it. So number four, I've got Oh, I can't do that. Okay, I'm going to swap these two around. Number four, I've got Elvis. Number four, my top, my full best film of the year, I've put down as Elvis. Number three is The Woman King. Number two, dum dum, is Top Gun Maverick. And my number one film of the year is, no surprise if you heard me talk about it at the time, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I just love the film so much. Um, it, it, you know, really, really came out of nowhere. A real surprise. Um, just, Just an absolute treat. And I know it's not for everyone because... You know, I've tried to show it to my wife and she couldn't get into it. My mother-in-law couldn't get into it. But I, I absolutely love it. And, um, yeah, it's so the, the, the most exciting, unique, interesting film that I saw in 2022. And I think you should give it a go. Uh, there are a couple of films that missed out off the list completely. Um, that was The Fablemans was one. Um, oh, what was, I'm sure there was another one. That's probably going to be like nominated for Oscars and stuff as well that I didn't get to see as well. But um, it didn't get a UK release. Uh, it doesn't get a UK release until the end of uh, January. So uh, I'm going to review that beforehand. I think there's a digital release in the US, but I couldn't bother to try and sort all that out. So that will have to wait until uh, this year's list and see if it makes uh, makes it this time around instead. But um, yeah, there you go. So that is my top films of the year so just again quickly uh from 15 down to one jackass forever the menu the phantom of the open marcel the shell with shoes on the batman prey nope matilda glass onion turning red barbarian elvis the woman king top gun maverick and everything everywhere all at once there you go what have i got wrong what do you not agree with is my number one film uh ridiculous you know was it the wrong choice should it have been top gun maverick should it have been something that didn't make my top 15 that's a better film i don't know but you can let me know uh if you so want to um and thank you like this is a very weird podcast to do because i have just been talking to myself now for uh over an hour and a half about films i've watched um but hey that's what happens at the end of the year right 
none of the other episodes I'll do will be this long. So think of it like that. But uh, if you made it this far, thank you very much. And uh, please let me know on, on social media what your films of the year were. You know, did we have matching lists? You know, did we have, did I miss something glaringly obvious that I just didn't get a chance to see or I'd forgotten that I'd even seen? I don't know, but let me know uh, if you want to. And, uh, you know, thank you for listening to, to Walking Movies or any of the other podcasts that I do over the last year. And, uh, you know, Walking Movies will return in 2023. I'm already trying to decide what my first film, my first trip to cinema is going to be. I think it's going to be to see Megan. I'm hoping that's what I'm going to see next. So keep your eyes open for that. And until next time... As always, Flynn lives and beat the Tories. <laughs>